This episode of Giants and Crowns is brought to you by High Five. Recently named one of Fast Company's most innovative companies of 2018, High Five simplifies business collaboration with a conferencing platform that builds connected cultures. It's the only all-in-one conferencing solution, including intuitive cloud software and purpose-built meeting room hardware. Plus, it's a high-quality experience with a 4K HDR camera and industry-leading audio powered by Dolby Voice. Growing fast with customers in over 100 countries, High Five is already trusted by the likes of Harry's, Rue La La, Expensify, The Atlantic, and Betterment. To learn more and start simplifying your team's video and audio conferencing, visit giantsandcrowns.com forward slash high five. So my name is Harry Ritter. I'm the founder and CEO of Alma, uh, a new mental health startup here in New York City. Nice. So I guess before we even, before we even jump into all these other things, first and foremost, what is, what is Alma? So Alma is a, a new practice model for mental health providers. So what we do is we bring together communities of amazing therapists across a whole range of disciplines and areas of clinical focus, and we give them access to a platform to manage and grow their practice. Uh, so what we build for them are co-practicing communities where providers come together and they have access to three main things. One, uh, a community of like-minded providers for collaboration, clinical education, learning and referrals. Two, we give them access to a tech and services platform. So all the tools that they really need to successfully manage and grow their business, things like scheduling tools, billing tools, help marketing their practice through our directory and through partnerships that we bring to them. And then lastly, uh, we give them access to beautifully designed office space for them to be able to host client visits. And we do that on terms that are flexible and designed around the way that they actually see clients. Uh, so that they can really use space efficiently and in a way that makes sense for them. Nice. How long have you guys... I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just saying, that's what we do. That's what we do. We, we've been open since... Uh, this location's been open since October 10th, so we're about about to hit our two-month birthday. Congratulations, man. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, as, a, as a fellow space person, I, I know the stresses and the delight that comes with opening up a space, having people walk through the walls, turning the lights on, hearing your voice bounce down, down, up and down the hallways. It's a special, special feeling. Yeah, physicality, you know, it's interesting. We live in an increasingly digitizing world. But uh, someone told me this recently. They said, you know, one of the things that's most up in the world right now is pencil sales. Mm. Uh, there's a, I think there is an appreciation, a growing appreciation for the role of, of physicality in catalyzing relationships and creating meaningful and impactful experiences. And when you can design a space, when you can create a technology-based experience that really helps people successfully achieve their goals it's it's really powerful yeah yeah i definitely agree so let's 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 go back a couple um i'd love to know who harry ritter is and uh how you got like where you're from where the name is from what you're about it's a great question so uh, my name i'm actually named from my maternal grandfather uh he was an immigrant from poland uh, just before the second world war he um, was the first uh, doctor in, in our in our family line. So he uh, he came across. He became a, a dentist. Um, you know, built a family outside of Philadelphia. Uh, my parents both are also doctors. So I come from a long line of of people in the healthcare, health and wellness space. Mm. Um, and uh, and that's that's sort of the, the family background that uh, that led me to where I am today. So you didn't become a doctor yourself. What's what's that? About? 
Oh, you did? I did. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, my story. So I, I finished up. Uh, I always knew that 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 building a career in the health space was what I wanted to do. I, you know, I, I grew up with. I, I grew up seeing how it's just it's such a special area when you can feel like every day, even during the hard times, the work that you're doing is ultimately contributing to people living happier, healthier, more fulfilled lives. It's it's something that uh, it's just super powerful, and I was always inspired by that in my family. And uh, and so when I finished up undergrad, I ended up going to med school, uh, did that training, loved being in clinical medicine. But I think like a lot of doctors who, who've come up during the last you know decade or so also saw so much opportunity to really innovate around the business model, to create uh, you know better experiences for patients, for clients. Uh, and so uh, you know found my way into the world of health tech. Ooh. And uh, you know spent a bunch of years at Oscar Health before starting Alma. Uh, which was a really important part of my in my Genesis story, and and uh, and you know fell in love with this world of of entrepreneurship and, and healthcare. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, at what point did the idea for Alma come about? Like through during that through that journey of uh, Oscar and uh, you know working at training to yeah. become a doctor. Like wh- where where did this all come up? Or was this something that's that just kind of came up one day while you're at the gym? Uh, you know, it's a good question. So the origin, the origin of Alma was was sort of two pronged: one personal, the other professional. Uh, the personal side of it, I uh, I moved on to New York about seven eight years ago. Was going through a period of enormous transition in my own life. Uh, had never really experienced or interacted with the mental health community in a in a serious or meaningful way. Um, but was going through a period of a lot of transition, and 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 it was a challenging time for me. And um, uh, someone who was very close to me suggested that I, I try out therapy. I had a terrible find, uh, for terrible find, time finding a therapist. Uh, the experience of going, uh, the way it happens today in the community was, you know, a pretty miserable one. But over the course of the seven-year relationship that I ended up developing with that therapist, most of the most positive changes in my life came about. Um, and. You know, I say this often, but when I think about personally who I am, the kind of father that I am, the kind of spouse, the kind of colleague, the kind of friend, so many of the best changes came from that relationship and, and, and those experiences. So that was the sort of personal side that really opened me up to the world of mental health and mental well-being. And then the professional side, I was at Oscar. I had the fortunate opportunity to build the Oscar Center for for Oscar, which is a, um, a brick and mortar primary care mental health and wellness space out in Brooklyn. And the first person I hired to that center was this incredible woman named Charlotte Elkin, who is a uh, behavioral health specialist. And um, the idea was we wanted to create a primary care offering where mental health was like fundamental to the DNA. And I started seeing she was the person with the longest wait list. She was the person with you know the, the highest, the longest list of people she was trying to refer into the community for care. There was a real demand for access to service that wasn't being satisfied by the existing market. And so I started spending a lot of time with providers trying to understand why aren't you guys able to do more? What's what's keeping you back? What's holding you back from greater impact? Uh, and started to really learn about their pain points and what was challenging to them. And Alma was sort of the result of that process. Interesting. So, what what was what were some of the things that they that they they kind of uh, stubbed their toe against the most? 
So it's, it's tough for young providers who are starting out in mental health. You know, mental health is interesting. Uh, unlike, you know, some of the kind of physician dominated areas like cardiology, primary care, uh, it's, it's an area that most people still work as solo practitioners or small groups. Mm. Uh, you don't have that kind of consolidation that's happened in a lot of other industries. And so you got these, you know, professionals who are out there trying to find access to space, trying to figure out how to manage and grow a business, market themselves, uh, and then also doing it in, in a really lonely way. I mean, these are people who are in this, in this workforce, man, they're, they're one of the most beautiful human beings you can imagine. Uh, they've dedicated their life to helping others, to working with people through some of the most challenging things that happen. And, um, and they practice in these incredibly isolating environments, just by themselves off in some corner of the city, you know, unable to connect with, with others who are going through and, and doing the same work. And so there was a real thirst for a community-based solution to help them achieve all of their various business objectives, but do it in the context of a community and, uh, um, so to speak. Got it. Got it. So what, what kinds of ideas did you have prior to Alma, um, before Alma became the, the solution? I'm sure there were like iterations or, and I mean, different ideas in the sense of like maybe different locations or maybe like different layouts or like maybe you were thinking it was just a big pool and yeah. people would practice in the big pool or something so like how did the idea evolve to where it is today so i, I think i started out with 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 questions uh, the questions were you know what was the what was if you if you peel back all the layers right and you got into the very 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 core of the issue what was it that you needed to optimize around to create a magical experience, something that was really special. And I think that process of trying to layer back and see what was it, you know, is the, is the process that leads you down different paths. So you ask the question, you know, is it convenience? Is it, is it speed of access? Is that what people need in mental health? Is it that I want, you know, at, at my fingertips access to, to someone to talk to that, that, that could be one, one thesis and it might lead you down one direction, maybe more a telemedicine based approach or, uh, you know, a, a different kind of path. Or you might ask, you know, is it, uh, is it specific clinical protocols that people need? Or we need to kind of standardize the way that mental health happens. And then you might think of, you know, more of like a, a practice based solution where, you know, everybody works for you and you have a very clear way of approaching certain things. Uh, for, for me, when I kept pulling back the layers, what I found at the, at the center was in, in therapy and in mental health, so much of the success is predicated on the relationship between client and patient. You know, it's the classic like doctor patient, uh, client, client provider relationship. And, you know, what you're really trying to create in a mental health context is a, is a safe space uh, for a therapeutic alliance to develop. And so that was the key insight that that helped us sort of formulate the idea and say whatever we do has to be about really optimizing for that provider-client relationship and helping that be the thing that's supported the most. So then the second order question then becomes, right, so what do you do with that? And, um, you know, we looked at a bunch of different models, the, 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 the role of physicality, for example, how important was it to have a physical location, uh, other ways of uh, getting providers to connect, uh, you know, different things like that that we looked at. But we ultimately decided that this this idea of bringing people into a community-based environment was the, the way forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have, I have a couple of questions around that, specifically around like the, from a model standpoint, because, you know, I saw that you guys raised capital and everything, and that's, that's always an exciting and uh, 
maybe maybe not for you uh challenging treacherous endeavor um especially pitching something that is brick and mortar that has a lease period that yep. is that has significantly higher upfront costs and potentially you know some more some additional sun costs as well so you know why don't we why don't we touch on that like how did you go about thinking about how you wanted to kick this off finance it get it off the ground um and what was that journey like having those conversations and getting people on board to the idea there's no question uh that there is a a capital intensity to what we do that um for a for a traditional uh bread and butter tech investor uh at least creates a moment of pause um but i think at the same time investors who are serious about changing big problems acknowledge that uh you've got to kind of roll up your sleeves and go to where the problems are and so a lot of what we spent our time thinking about was how did we communicate the role of physicality in building something bigger building a real community based approach to what is today among the most pressing if not you know the most pressing healthcare challenge in our country. So I think um you know what we found is that you 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 can quickly you can quickly start to identify investors who uh who get that, who are uh inspired by that mission, who are ready to roll up their sleeves and who see the role that that investment makes in uh in kind of opening up a bigger opportunity and you got to just find those people. Um I feel like one of the luckiest guys in the world. I mean the the investors that we brought together uh I I don't think there are better investors out there uh to help a seed state business like ours be successful. Yeah. Yeah, like first first rounds in your in your in your cohort as well, right? Yeah, so I mean our our our, our the five who participated first round led our our seed primary ventures uh box group able partners rainfall ventures uh all just you know each one bringing uh, incredible amount of value to the table you know for, first round is a remarkable a remarkable fund the, the 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 extent of support they provide their founders is just beyond belief uh same goes for primary and you know their focus on new york which is you know through the roof yeah uh, they, they're just they're they're an awesome cohort of people that we've been really lucky to have around the table with us that's great that's great so you you touched on i mean you guys being in new york how how deeply did you think about or what was the thought process around other cities I imagine, I mean, off the top, my guess would be like perhaps density, something that's really helpful in a place like New York City and maybe some of the virality that comes with that, um, or maybe not. Like, what, what, were, what? how did you go about thinking about the cities you wanted to be in, especially as it sort of indexes against need for mental health help? Uh, New York is like, uh, you know, and, and you've seen this in the tech ecosystem, right? Like, over the last five years, the tech ecosystem has blown up in New York. I think it's because of a few things. One, you've got an amazing access to talent here. Yeah. Two, you've got a massive market here. Uh, three, it's a trend-setting city. So if you can establish yourself and be successful here, um, you really position yourself well vis-a-vis -vis future cities. And you know, for at least for our business and from from our perspective, you know, many of the challenges that our our members feel are felt most acutely in a city like New York. So you know, that those are all things that really help us. The, the fifth thing is, it's my city, right? It's it's where I've been for close to the last decade. It's where uh, I was able to be part of the Oscar story um, and build relationships and connections. And you know, I, I think a lot of times the way life works out, you. Um, 
you know, sometimes you sit back and say, oh, you know, if I could design a perfect approach to something, what would it look like? And and and, and I don't know that that works. I think you got to start from where you start. You know, everybody gets a certain set of cards that are dealt to them and you got to you got to play your cards. And, you know, if your relationships and your connections and your, you know, your knowledge of a market is in one place, you got to take advantage of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Use everything you have. Um, so what is, you know, being in New York, being here for the last decade, you touched on family, you touched on, you know, the sort of like support system you, you have around yourself rather directly and indirectly with therapists and wife and kids, uh, kid, kids, two kids, kids, two congrats. <laughs> Look at you, man. <laughs> uh, hands full. <laughs> um, so, you know, how, how are you thinking about that? How, how does that sort of translate into the community and the support system you're creating for um, therapists that are going to be using Alma? Like what kinds of overlaps is there in terms of, I guess, for lack of, lack of a better word, like family, um, and as it relates to um, services you're providing to therapists? I mean, I think, uh, you know, our, our success in life, uh, and I don't just mean my financial success, emotional success, spiritual success, it's predicated on others. It's predicated on the connections that we can create with others. And uh, and I think that's, you know, a big part of our model here at Alma. We, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking right now in the, in the next room over in our lounge. We're doing a, you know, kind of holiday party. We've got about 10 of our members in there uh, sitting together, talking with one another, connecting, sharing stories, working with one another. Uh, that, that's, that's how it all happens. And uh, I, I think a big part of the reason why I was so excited to start a business that begins from a place of community was because of what you were saying, like just the, the power that it's had for, for me in my own life. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you started this around a year ago, right? Like what, when, when did the, the idea kick off and when did you start prospecting and thinking about how you wanted to approach this? So I, I started working on uh, the idea for Alma about uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, so it was about a year and a half ago that I, uh, that I left Oscar, uh, after four amazing years there, having so, so much, knowing so much of, of who I've become to that experience. And I spent about two or three months, uh, really out there in the market, just spending as much time with, with future customers as I possibly could, trying to understand their pain points, what was difficult, what were they looking for? And was lucky that this sort of came together in a good way, and and I had started to build relationships with uh, with those who became our investors, and was able to kind of kick things off pretty quickly. So we we ended up closing our seed round just about uh, twelve months ago. So twelve months ago, how many months was that from uh, your sort of initially starting initially starting the the project? So I would say there was probably about three or four months before uh, before we were funded that I was working actively on Alma uh, in a kind of in a full time way. Got it. Um, and then we got it funded, uh, got up and running in uh, you're funded in January, and we opened up this location October the tenth. So ten months later. Nice, nice. So with with the doors open and you, you kicking things off, and two months in, uh, holiday parties taking place in your place right now. What has been some of the biggest challenges you've 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 uh, you sort of overcome and you've seen the other side of since starting? I think that the biggest challenge that we I think have confronted is figuring out how to uh, 
make sure that the the way that we continue to build our our services work for providers uh, effectively across a wide breadth of provider types. So uh, you know, while all of our most of our providers here are mental health providers, there there are people who are accessing our space in different kinds of ways, and making sure that we figure out how to make a good experience for for all of those people in a way that really helps them be be successful. Once it's a real thing, uh, you know, and and all of your technology that you spent months months building actually is getting put out there in the field, uh, you know, figure out how to really take that feedback quickly, iterate, uh, relaunch products in a good way that make people feel excited and happy about being part of the community, you know, is is a constant challenge. It's it's all about execution. Yeah, definitely. So what is what is what's the sort of the team look like now and how did you go about recruiting the team and getting it to where it is today? We are uh, seven full time uh, two part time. The team really came together through a constellation of two things. One, uh, existing relationships with people that I had gotten to know and uh, and cared about and had a track record with and people that were introduced to me through um, through my network and through invest through investors. So uh, if you look at our, our team today, you know, two of our team members, Nina Roth and, and uh, Lauren Spear, Nina runs community operations, Lauren uh, space design and, and a lot of our design work were two people that I had worked with at Oscar and knew very well for, you know, many, many years and had a deep respect for and was really excited to get to work with again. You know, the other uh, kind of core team members, uh, Nick, uh, who leads our product and engineering uh, work. Uh, Claire, uh, who has now just joined us to lead marketing. Uh, Cheryl is helping us on growth and expansion, came through uh, through the network, through people that I was connected to by investors primarily and, and others who knew me and knew what we were up to. Nice. So was it a pretty, pretty easy sell or did you have to like, uh, who, who was... What was the most challenging part in terms of like recruiting the team? It sounds like it was pretty organic. It sounds like people gravitate to the idea pretty well. But um, was there any sort of uh, ch- who's like the most challenging person you had to bring on? Who's your LeBron James? Who's your Kyrie Irving, if you will, that you had to like <laughs> make some trades to, to get on the bench? So I think that the, um, the best, one of the best things about hiring for our business, I think, is that we are a mission-driven business. Yeah. And so we attract a certain kind of person who's excited about being part of this kind of an enterprise and having this kind of impact. And that, I think, is a really valuable part of our um, our culture and, and the opportunity you have as you come to a place like Alma. The biggest challenge, uh, I think there's two. One is making sure that when you're a small team, you get the right culture. You know, you add a fifth person, that's 25, 20% of your team, right? And you have to make sure that you're really making the big stuff in a good way. And that the, that the team is going to mold together uh, culturally, that there's a shared set of values, uh, a shared kind of connectivity. And I think that's particularly important in, in early teams. And I think the other challenge is when you're doing something that's fundamentally different, uh, everything begins from a place you know, I, I begin from a place as a clinician operator. Others may begin from a place as a as an engineer, or as a marketing person, etc. And so, when you're hiring for a role that's a little bit different, uh, finding out, figuring out where people, what what you need people to be coming from is really important. So, what I mean by that, so two, you know, we have two amazing uh, community associates who run our space here, uh, Danny and and Maddie. And, um, you know, we were trying to think the question, you know, who do we want to be in the space every day, interacting with clients, 
interacting with our members, what does that profile look like? And we spent a lot of time saying, you know, is that someone who comes from a, a place of healthcare? Is it someone who place, comes from a place of retail, of hospitality? And, you know, figuring out that initial decision. So both of them come from, a, you know, kind of a, a more hospitality, innovative retail kind of background, uh, you know, ended up being a, a key, key factor for them being as successful as they've been in their roles. And that was, that was a difficult decision to figure out at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. Today's episode is brought to you by Brilliant. Head over to brilliant.org forward slash giants and crowns or go to giantsandcrowns.com forward slash brilliant. You know, um, one of the reasons why we started Giants and Crowns uh, is to really focus on and exercise extracting lessons learned. We're hosting these conversations in the hopes that the actions taken by our guests, the decisions they've made can help inform the decisions that we will all make as business owners, as generalists, as scientists, as designers, as photographers, as as producers, as creatives, Um, but even more more so than all that as lifelong learners. So I I fundamentally think that, and I think you, you guys would agree as well, to be a great thinker, to be a great learner, you have to have multiple perspectives, multiple models, a diversity in perspective. Um, you need to be multidisciplinary. Brilliant is hands down one of the best places to polish up and do that in an engaged and active, interactive way. And you know, there's, there's actually this really dope quote by Charlie Munger. He talks about Charlie Munger, the partner of Warren Buffett um, over at Brookshire Hathaway and also an inspiration for the podcast. What he says is the first rule is that you've got to have multiple models because if you have just one or two that you're using, the nature of human psychology is such that you'll torture reality so that it fits your models. And the models have to come from multiple disciplines because all of the wisdom of the world is not to be found in one little academic department. That's crucial. Brilliant provides frameworks that are helpful for thinking and solving problems. Brilliant is a place where you can achieve true understanding by getting to the heart of a concept. Their courses are written by leading instructors and researchers who have worked to provoke natural curiosity and guide you through an interactive exploration of deep concepts and principles and ideas. So definitely check out Brilliant. Head over to brilliant.org forward slash Giants and Crowns or giantsandcrowns.com forward slash Brilliant. Support Giants and Crowns by doing that and the first 200 folks from Giants and Crowns who sign up get uh, 20% off their first entire uh, premium subscription year. Um, so sign up, check it out. Let us know how, you, how, how you're enjoying it. Um, when we send out our weekly updates, respond with a screenshot or something. That, that'd be awesome. Let us know that you're part of the crew. Um, all right. Thank you so much. I mean, how, how do you find that person? Like, what's the, what's the interview process to find that kind of person? The, the community associate role in particular that has become much more popular with the advents of WeWorks and Industriouses and all that. Yeah. I mean, so it was interesting for us because we kind of looked at those models and we said, you know, we, we actually can't hire from the same labor pool as them uh, in that we are we are running a fundamentally different kind of an experience. You know, this is ultimately a healthcare environment. Someone comes in here, uh, they may be suffering from depression and we just talk mm-hmm. from a, a really difficult episode in their life. The kind of person who greets them needs to be uh, sensitive to that, aware of one of that kind of situation and introduce them to the space in a way that makes them feel welcome and comfortable and that's not uh that's not easy 
we we began by by saying, you know, it, it kind of goes back to the, the the comment I made at the beginning of our, our conversation about peeling back the onion and trying to get to the core nugget of what you need to be successful in something. And what we sort of th- said was we need people who make people feel comfortable uh, and and connected in a way that feels professional and safe and so we you know we recruited primarily from uh, not from sort of community roles in the co-working context but rather from people who had really meaningful experience in you know retail and hospitality uh, you know appreciating that they had a sense for how to deal with uh, clients and customers at that kind of a level was that did you find that that was an easy a relatively easy sort of um, what's the word um, sell in terms of getting somebody from a hosp- with a hospitality background, retail background to come into yeah. a, a health model, a mental health model. The 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 sell process was easy. The discovery process was hard. I think mm. for people who come from that background and have a an interest in this space. The opportunity to apply that skill set, but apply it in a in a setting uh, like ours, is I think extremely inspiring and exciting. Uh, the challenge is that because it's a kind of different hiring pathway, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out just you know where do you go to look for these kinds of people, and right. so. We, I would connect with friends who were in sort of the restaurant business, and I'd say, "Hey, when you guys are looking for uh, you know an amazing maitre gras or uh, someone to help you build a, a service team at a at a new restaurant, you know, where do you look? I mean, that that's not necessarily where people in the kind of tech universe know how to recruit from. And so that that was definitely a, a learning process. Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you think is like the the major lesson there? I think you got to be creative, uh, and you've got to really uh, you know tap your network and ask for help. Um, you know, at the end, it goes back to this kind of community concept we've been talking about, but um, everyone that we ended up finding and bringing on board came to us through someone in some way. And so once you've done the kind of first step of saying, what's the core thing that I'm looking for, you got to do the second step, which is I'm looking for help. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a lot more about, I guess, the product itself from a physical standpoint. Like how important is how important is the design of the space? How important is you know, like when you walk into the space, did you do you, are you checking for feng shui? Did you uh did you consult with a feng shui consultant? Like what is <laughs> what's what's going on in terms of the space? Cause I do remember seeing in some of the images some wood accents and some softer tones and all that. So like how have you guys thought about that? Is it informed by um medical practices in any way? Like is is this like what's what's the what's the thought process there? It's a great question. Uh, you know, a ton of thought uh, and design and uh, and research really goes into uh, the space experience. For us, it's a combination of things that you think about. You think about functional elements, uh, things like sound and light, which play a really important role in the experience that you have in space. Uh, you spend a lot of time thinking about flow and how people interact with the space throughout a user journey. And a lot of that is not just physical consideration, whether it's, you know, the layout of a space, the way that seating is oriented, the way that, uh, uh, you know, you help people wayfind, but also technology and the role of technology, helping people experience in a good way. Um, So, you know, all things that we spend a lot of time, a lot of time thinking about. I think when we, why was it so important to us? I think, you know, when you think about 
the difference when you walk into a space that feels like it was built for what you were there for uh, and thoughtfully designed for you and for that experience. I, you know, my experience with the Oscar Center, and I think this is true across the board in Hartford, is that people have much better outcomes. They're more likely to come back for care. They're more right. likely to take the seriously. Um, and so if you can do that in a good way, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So to what, ex- to what extent did your experience over at Oscar inform um, how you're looking to manage and run and grow Alma? I think uh, you know, Oscar's a, one of the most remarkable businesses. Uh, it's been through so much and, you know, through through such incredible perseverance and clarity of vision, I think has, has done so much to transform uh, not just the health insurance market, but the health care market uh, generally. I think three three things in particular that I always think about when I when I think about how I hope we can emulate uh, my role models over there. I think uh, one really clarity of vision and clarity of purpose. You know, thinking about what it is that you wake up every morning to do and making sure that everything that you do is designed to make that happen. Two is. Um, asking questions you know why why is it this way why 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 do you have to uh experience something in one way and why, why can't it be done in a more innovative setting or in a more thoughtful thoughtful way so that kind of constant questioning uh and then i think lastly just consumer focus you know how, how do you make sure that the that the end user is having the best possible experience and i think that that is something that people hear in, in the kind of like general internet uh, of things or commerce or whatever. And they say, yeah, of course, that's how the world should be. But in healthcare, that's definitely, a, you know, an evolving way of thinking. Yeah. You know, one of the things we, we touched on, I think maybe um, it's, it's getting late for me on, on my side. So it's, it's almost like uh, it's been one long day um, <laughs> since like last week, Monday. So forgive me if, I, if I'm missing this detail, but we talked before the, con- before the interview, or maybe it was in the beginning of the interview, um, the sort of the, the desire by, human, by people to be in more physical spaces, to be more present, more or less. Um, what, do you, what do you think, like, let's expand on that. I'd love to know like what your overall thought process is on that and how that is potentially acting as wind um, supporting Alma. You know, I mean, I think um, I think there's always this interesting sort of pendulum effect that happens uh, in terms of you know, industries and trends and, and and ideas. I mean, if you think about what it meant to connect with people 20 years ago, um, physicality was the way that you connected, right? right. People participated in, in clubs, associations, reunions, etc. cetera. Uh, then you, you sort of saw the the advent of social networks, uh, the sort of digif- digitification, so to speak, of of social relationships, the opportunity to connect with people uh, in real time in a much more sort of big way um, through digital-only solutions. And then I think people felt a certain loss of humanism. I mean, you saw sort of part and parcel with the advent of social networks, a rise in loneliness, you know, and, and, and arise in some of the mental health challenges that are part of what we're trying to solve. And I think, um, you know, the pendulum swings back a little bit and says, you know, how, how do you actually create connection that is technologically enabled, but there is a fundamentally physical component to, to how at least how those relationships start. So I, I think we, you know, we're part of that story. And I think you see it in some of the businesses that have been successful recently, whether it's companies like The Wing, uh, or others that have, I think, demonstrated that you know, digitally enabled, digitally powered communities that that also 
play a, have a place to play in the physical world can be really really impactful yeah so to what extent is alma digitally enabled what's what are what are the aspects of the organization that um require the uh the the skills of an engineer um not like a, a traditional engineer like a mechanical electrical engineer but like a computer engineer what's what's what are you baking into the secret sauce that is uh, that is uh alma that makes it digitally enabled it's a great question i think there, there's um there's a few components to that so building on what we were just discussing the idea of community and how that becomes a part of it you know we do events that are in our space we figure out ways of then uh digitize digitizing and syndicating that content out to the rest of the community so they can participate and be involved in it uh, when we talk about you know ways to leverage our referral network and create connections between providers those are all digital solutions you know the ability to kind of ping ping others in the network and find others in the network who could help you provide better care to to a client or to someone that you're working with so a lot of the underlying community tools the connectivity between provider to provider while utilized uh, by space is is largely digital largely largely uh you know a question of product development and design the the second side of it is the the client facing experience so the other spot where we spend a lot of time is you know the tools that we build for our members to be able to better serve their clients and for them to have a better experience in space you come to our space you check in uh digitally that uh yeah sends a text message to provider letting you know you've arrived the provider can text back to the system to let you as the client know where to go without them ever having to step foot outside of the room preserve a little bit more of that anonymity for you as a client if you uh if you're a little bit anxious about coming in for for care uh when you book your appointment you do that through alma's tools alma provides the appointment reminders including a badge to access the building without having to show your driver's license again and after to preserve privacy so there's a lot of ways that we build in technology to the to the members uh toolkit that they can then you know use to better serve their clients yeah this is a slightly slightly tangent question why do this you know why why uh why as a guy with two kids why uh why put yourself through this uh, it's a it's it's a great thing that you're doing i love it um i'm not asking to be like to be facetious or anything like that but i also know what it's like to build spaces and i know it's stressful and i know there's it's a delightful experience and you know the the endeavor of it all but why what what's what's driving you to do this so there's two there's two i think there's two questions in there right one is why start a business that's definitely one yes <laughs> and then the second question is why start this business go for uh, it to the first question why start any business i think the answer to you is i couldn't imagine doing anything else um the opportunity to build to create to bring together amazing people uh and to try to do something that hasn't been done before is so addictive uh you know i can't even begin to explain how much excitement and and satisfaction that 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 drives for me that you know i i just i love that 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 part of my job uh, i think that the second question why start this business i this space and the opportunity to make a contribution is you know once in a lifetime opportunity and i think uh, i believe that our model is the most profound and effective way for us to 
make a difference when it comes to uh, the mental health of mental well-being of people uh, throughout this country and beyond. And you know, to be given the opportunity through our investors, through our customers, uh, to try to do that is, you know, it's it's something that you cannot do. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. Um, so, I guess, how have you changed? How have you changed in the last year or so? And after that, how have you changed since? going to med school like what's what's different about harry ritter uh today a year ago versus 10 years ago so i think um the biggest thing that's changed for me when when you have the opportunity to lead a business um is i think uh the amount of time and energy you spend thinking about uh your team and how to really help your team be successful at what they do. I think even if you're a manager of people, uh, you spend a lot of your time thinking about, you know, your role and the role that you play. And I think uh, over the last year, I think the biggest change for me has been, uh, you know, really trying to, to, to think first about, you know, how you kind of help the, the kind of overall entity be successful and, and how you really build yourself as a, as a cheerleader and a and an advocate for for the business in a way that you know when you are when you're not in that role you don't necessarily do in the same kind of way so i think that's a that's a big thing that's changed about me i think i um i've also become a lot more uh regimented with time yeah i may have been before you know especially with two kids uh you know i've I've shifted forward and my week forward so i i generally try to end my week uh, you know, early afternoon on Fridays and start my week, uh, half day on Sundays. And I try to start my days, uh, early. So I try to wake up by 4:45 or five. The idea kind of connected to my first point is to make sure that I'm able to get ahead of, uh, of my team and, and the company and make sure that I'm able to give people the guidance they need to be effective from the moment they walk in and, and start their work week. So, um, you know, time management has been a big part of it. So how, how about like emotionally? personally, psychologically, like where, where do you feel you've really stretched the most? Like I can give you like an anecdote personally, the, the first couple of years I started a co-working space called Alley in New York city. And the first, yeah. the first, I'd say maybe the second, the third year was the toughest year. Um, in terms of we brought on capital. Um, there was a lot of sort of blows to the ego in a sense, cause I'm no longer the boss like truly right um and there were there there are sort of conflicting visions that you're 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 reconciling you're working through um and then you make those real you make that marriage but you have to work through yourself to get to that point like because you have to kind of let go of the vision that you had at one point to 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 allow for this new vision to manifest and that took a lot of work for me personally um so i'm wondering what that's been like for you has there been some sort of epiphany has there been something that's sort of maturation some sort of evolution yeah. i mean look i think i think you you said it like as a honor you take everything very personally so every time someone tells you they love your business you feel like you know so elated and every time someone they don't think you're you know they, they see a problem you, you feel totally deflated i think um i've had to work a lot on compartmentalizing um, so, you know, figuring out ways of making sure that I keep things in their appropriate time and space, uh, so that when I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids and I'm yeah. not, you know, where else. Uh, and then I think the other thing is you, uh, you know, the other thing that I think has changed a lot about me is I don't experience the highs as high or, or as low anymore. I've, I've sort of 
had to train myself to, to, to know that, you know, whenever you think it's amazing, it's never actually that good. And whenever you think it's terrible, it's never not actually that bad. And so you got to stay a little bit closer to the middle of the road. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, we're running low on time now. I want to jump over to some of our quick fire questions and then let's get you, uh, get you out of here so you can get back home to, to the family and kids and maybe grab some, some goodies at that party. Um, so f- first question, uh, Biggie or Tupac? Tupac. Why? Just the music, the music I grew up with. I don't know. I, I, uh, I always felt like that was my guy. <laughs> I respect it. I don't know if it's a visceral, I don't know if it's a visceral reaction. I definitely respect it. Um, what is a, a, a book or a number of books that have been the most impactful to you personally and or professionally? I think Peter Thiel wrote a great book called Zero to One yep. that I really enjoyed a lot. Uh, I thought that was a powerful book about being contrarian and, and, and thinking about the world in a, in a kind of very, uh, you know, make it happen kind of a, kind of a way. Uh, there's a great book in the healthcare space called The Innovator's Prescription, a Christensen book. Uh, that's right, HBS. I think really interesting in terms of approaching healthcare um, with a unique set of um, of business models and really kind of like dissecting what's on the inside, which I think um, I think is a is a is a really powerful book. I think those would be would be at least two. Got it. Any uh, any nonfiction? Uh, yeah, I just read um, so less, which is a great book, phenomenal a new book that. Uh, is a, is, a, is a beautiful love story that I enjoyed very much. That would be probably top of my list. Got it. All right. So what is a, a tool that is sort of integral to you? And when I say tool, you can take that literally, or you can take it figuratively. You can you know, be poetic with it if you'd like. Um, what, is, what is a tool that's crucial for you? That's sort of one that you cannot do without. So uh, the, the, the business answer is uh, I'm addicted to Asana. I use it way more than I ought to to keep my life organized and keep myself on track. Uh, so that's probably the kind of, uh, of, of tech answer. The non-tech answer is my Talmud. So I, uh, I, I've been uh, studying a page of, of, the, of the Talmud, which is a, a part of the Jewish canon uh, for about the last six years. And uh, it's, a, it's a page a day that I learned that is a really important kind of grounding mechanism and helps me kind of ground each day and, and, and you know, continue to grow outside of, uh, out of just business stuff. Nice. Second to last question. You have two weeks to turn $200 into $2,000. What do you do? I invested in Alma because <laughs> even though I won't have a liquid $2,000 at the end of two weeks, uh, I hope that the investment that I make will, uh, even though it'll be an illiquid appreciation of 10x in two weeks, it'll be it'll be real. There you go. <laughs> All right. So last question. Um, Alma is in every major metro and secondary and tertiary metros. It's worldwide. World domination has happened. You have your island and maybe a piece of Mars as well and a moon around Saturn because you rock with Elon Musk and all that. What do you do next? Do it again. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I think um, once you're addicted to building, you're addicted to building. So uh, I think the answer is do it again. Find another problem that uh, that excites me and, 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 and try to build a good team and, and do it again. With the knowledge that um, the more that we build, the the more problems that we solve, the more people that 
live the good life. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Harry, I really appreciate you taking the time out today. I'm glad we got. Awesome. A, I'm glad we got a chance to catch up, and, I, and I'm looking forward to coming by the space and and seeing you guys grow and develop. Thank you very much. You're welcome anytime. Thank you uh, very much for having me. Anytime, man. Enjoy the rest of the night. I'll catch up with you in a bit. Sounds like we'll talk soon. See you.